Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. So we've been on a crazy journey for the last four weeks about all in. And uh, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot. Pastor Tony last week was talking to us about a bucket list. Pastor Alicia talked about don't delay and don't worry. The very first week we talked about time and how life is fleeting and short. This week we're going to talk about time as in the lens of eternity. Through the lens of eternity. If you look at the front of this stage. Goes the whole way around. The steps go the whole way around. Do you realize that your life on this planet. If we started right here where the steps begin. That tissue box. Represents our life on this planet. While the rest of this stage. Represents just a part of eternity. Think about that for a moment. This small tissue box put right here in a timeline that just goes around and around and around. But how much stress, thoughts, worry, money, opportunity, emotion do we pour into? This small segment, when in the timeline of our lives, which will be eternity with Jesus, is such a small segment. It's hard to grasp, right? This small box is our life from birth to death. The rest of these stairs, the whole way across, represents eternity. Have you ever thought about how much effort you put into eternity? Do we even put any effort into eternity? When I was working on this illustration, I used a rope, which I didn't bring today, but tissue boxes and stages work just fine. I thought about how, as a pastor... Most of the effort I've put in to church, to the people God has entrusted me with, has been ultimately an eternal investment, but usually dealing with the tissue box. Lots of whining and crying. That's me, that's not even the people who are coming. I'm like, just. Yeah, I've invested a ton of time and effort and everything into the tissue box. But when preparing for messages, pastors are often confronted with things that we don't think about regularly. It's the funny thing about when you dive into the word of God, regardless of why you're diving in, you're going to go deeper than you expect to go and find that much more there than you ever thought you would find. And so I began to think about it. And I begin to think about the previous weeks. Let's play a game. I'm the associate and youth guy. Let's play a game. If I say 60 seconds, that equals 
One minute. God bless you. Kids, guys are good. You guys are good. All right, here we go. One for one. We're starting off with the W. We're all right. If I say 60 minutes, that equals one hour. See how guys, you guys are good. I'm expecting great results at the end of this. If I say 24 hours, that's come on. If I say 365 and a quarter days, it's one year. All right, let's try a tricky one. If I will say 168 hours, that equals one week. Ooh, somebody's smart back there. I'm going to find out who our musical fans are. If I say 525,600 minutes, one year. We learned first week, the average lifespan is 28,000 days. Because I'm just a curious person. I'm like, well, how many days do I have left? Realizing that five years ago, I faced a situation where I was on a hospital bed and in an OR where I wasn't guaranteed 28,000 days. It's funny how life works like that, right? The average lifespan is 28,000 days. As of this moment, I have lived 16,187 days. I have survived, much to my surprise, 16,187 days. Which, mathematically speaking, means I'm over half. I was like, what? That can't be right. So according to my calculator, I only have 11,813 days left. When you say it like that, it changes your perspective, right? First of all, I disagree with math and I don't think I've lived that long. I tried to only say 44 years, but it was 44 years May 2nd. Today is August 24th, so I had to add a couple of days, which totally depressed me. But then when I got to, I only have 11,813 days left. I'll be honest with you. My very first thought was of my kids. And I'm like, I only have 11,813 days left with Alden and Katie. Gosh, there's so much more I need to teach them. There's so much more I want to experience with them. There's so much more that I have to give. And, and then the second question was, is how well have I spent the last 18,000? Or 16,000, hallelujah, 187. See, it took a simple illustration to make my mind pause long enough to start thinking in the lines of eternity. Because sometimes I'm so consumed. I know you guys are much more spiritual than I am. I'm so consumed with what I've got to do this moment, this day, this week, that sometimes I don't think about that in light of eternity. Have you ever had your week stolen from you? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's this week, bro. And probably next week too. Yeah. I feel you. So this week I had some adventures that I was not necessarily expecting. And, and sometimes I call them adventures in life, which would, you could call them problems, but they sound worse that way. Right? So I just call them adventures in life. Uh, a very dear uh, spiritual coach told me, he's like, just another adventure in life. I was like, thank you, PG. I'll remember that. And so I have lots of adventures. And so I had a couple of adventures in life this week. And some of them took longer than I thought they were going to take and took me to places that I didn't think I was going to go. And I'm like, oh, but I've got, 
I like plans and I and I like I like tasks and I like being early. Like real early. Like real early. Like I like to have my preaching calendar done for a year. I kid you not. I just it makes me happy. It makes me happy to look at every month. I just page through I'm like it's all organized. Now normally when I'm doing that, there's laughter in heaven that I just can't hear. But it makes me feel good. But sometimes we get into mention of life and our week is what we feel stolen from us. And we're like, whoa, all this stuff did not happen the way I was expecting it to last or go. You ever feel inconvenienced? It's funny when you, to be inconvenienced means you have to be focusing on yourself and what you're losing or having taken away from you. Right? Because normally if you're being inconvenienced, it's normally at someone else's benefit. But temporal vision tells me, "Mm, they're taking my minutes. Eternal lenses and vision says, I may just be making a deposit in someone's life that will be gigantic forever. Sometimes the people that we do that for don't, necessarily deserve it. Anyone ever serve someone who didn't deserve it? Yeah. Uh, some of us have our PhD in serving those who don't deserve it. Here's the good news. You don't deserve it either. And he went to the cross to prove that, right? So it was, sometimes it's just that mental, all right, I need the right perspective. So if we're going to talk about time through the lens of eternity, well, first of all, we need to know what the heck a lens is, right? I'm all about words. So if you look on the screen, for those of you with great eyesight, I know maybe that's the illustration too. I made that font a little small. I hear the moans and the groans. You need a better lens, people. It's the illustration. (laughs) A lens, according to the dictionary. It's a noun or a plural noun with lenses. A piece of glass or other transparent substance with curved sides for concentrating or dispersing light rays. You can use it singularly or singly as a magnifying glass or with other lenses like in a telescope so you can see farther. The light gathering device of a camera. My wife just took pictures of for our friends uh, on Saturday. Typically containing a group of compound lenses. Sometimes it takes a bunch of lenses for us to get to see it. In physics, I like this one. An object or device that focuses or otherwise modifies, that's a good word, the direction of movement of light, sound, or electrons. Doesn't that just make you feel smart when you read it? Like, don't know what it means, but I was able to read it, praise the Lord. All right. Let's put it into simple terms. How many of you guys wear glasses? Ka-chow. I realize that 90% of the time, I wear my glasses like this. <laughs> so that's my wife's laughter. That's beautiful. I can pick you out of a room, honey. I look old when I put my glasses on like that. See, in South Carolina, people with their sunglasses up here like this. That look cool. But then when you're your corrective lenses, you look old. And there are some times when I'm looking for those corrective lenses, I can't find them. They're right there. 
that's another old sign. So I pull them down and suddenly your faces are actually crisp. I'm like, whoa, check that out. Our glasses or corrective lenses enable us to see better. Without them, I see less. With them, I see more. Ever go somewhere without your glasses realizing that you need them? You didn't realize how much you need them till you're somewhere and you can't read all those things. Like, I know I'm at McDonald's and the menu's familiar, but I can't see that. Oh, there it is. I actually have some friends who without their lenses are legally blind. Isn't it incredible the power of a lens? How many of you without your glasses, you're actually in trouble? Like, I'm going to have a problem seeing and looking around. Yeah, I can't read. Get your headaches, right? When our lenses are gone that help correct things in our lives so we can see better, we find ourselves in a problem. There's a really cool thing that happens spiritually and physically. Principles tend to work both ways. Do you know that you can be spiritually blind? When we don't have our spiritual lenses on, we can find ourselves spiritually blind. You can be in a difficult situation with spiritual lenses on and realize it's an opportunity for God to do something amazing. And we can move forward in faith. Or we can leave those lenses at home, have the same problem, and be destroyed by it. Tons of water outside a boat is not a problem. It makes it float. Tons of water inside a boat is a problem. It'll make it sink. Is the boat in danger when it's floating? Or only when there's a hole in it? Yeah, crazy, right? All about the lenses. All about the lenses. So you may be sitting here this morning and you're hearing, well, he's going to talk about being spiritually blind. How could I possibly be spiritually blind? I've been with Jesus for a long time. I've had these glasses for a long time. I go everywhere with these glasses. But sometimes, I temporarily misplace them. My wife likes to call it lose. I just like to say temporarily misplace. Even though there are several pairs that are still temporarily misplaced, praise God. Someday I'm going to get to heaven and be like, oh, under the couch, who knew, who knew? Some of you may be sitting here this morning and you're like, you know what? Like I have, I, this is the very first time I heard about there's a possibility of spiritual blindness. So if we're going to take a journey this morning, okay? Everybody say journey. If we're going to take a journey this morning to the road that leads to eternal vision with eternity in mind, we have to begin with a heavenly perspective. Worship set us up so well today. I could have just called the altar call then and said, hey, let's go to lunch. I'm not, but here we go. So how do we have a heavenly perspective? Jesus gave us the roadmap through his own life and instructions. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John 14, 16. Look up at the screen. The most important thing said today will be me quoting scripture. In in verse uh, 17, it says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. 
Jesus was giving his boys a heavenly perspective. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Let me say it another way. Outside of me, there is no other way. There is no truth and there is no life. How many of you guys have ever tried to do life without Jesus? How many of you guys have found yourself lost on the way? Mm. How many of you guys have found yourselves believing a lie? How many of you guys have found that life was being sucked clean out of you? You ever see someone who doesn't know Jesus and has lived a hard life? They look older. The weight of sin weighs not only on the heart and the mind, but literally on the body as well. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before we get started, I want you to know, look, in the beginning, this is what we're talking about. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're following a way other than his, you're going the wrong way. If you're believing something that he did not say, then you're believing a lie. If you're trying to get life from something else other than the things that he tells you will give you life, you're not going to find it there. But he's patient. He's patient. He'll keep following you. He'll keep walking beside you. Even though you're choosing the foolish. Because he knows one moment can change everything. Let's put these lenses on. The way, the truth, and the life. In John 10.10 it says this. We heard it last week as well. The thief comes to rob, to kill, and destroy. He comes to rob from you every gift that God has for you. He comes to kill every dream that God has placed inside of you. And destroy your destiny and your future. Which is a tissue box of time here on earth. But an entire stage of eternity to come. It's hard for us to understand that, isn't it? Financially, if we put it into the financial world. I told my daughter, if she saved her $20 before we went to the beach, I would give her another $20 when we're at the beach. She's like, oh, 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 oh. Every time she said, dad, can I use my money for her? I'm like, sure. But you'll be sacrificing $20 later. And she's like, oh, 40 then sounds better than spending my 20 now. I'm like, yes. Now, I'd love to tell you that she saved her $20 and her $40 at the beach and came home with $40. She did not. Once she got that $40, she's like, look, I can drop $10. We're good. Still got $30 more than I started with. So when we got home, I wasn't sure if she'd spend it or not. I'm like, did you have your $40? If you do, I'll give you another $40. And she's like, ah. Oh, why didn't you tell me? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. None come to the Father except through me. Jesus says ahead of time, the thief comes to rob, to kill, and destroy. That's his only job. But I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Who doesn't want abundant life? If your boss promised you abundant paycheck tomorrow, would you be like, nah, that's good. I just don't know. I, you know, I got a lot going on. I don't know if I can commit to that. I'm a good per I'm a good worker. I really don't need anything else in my life. No, if your boss came saying I'll, I'll give you abundant paycheck, you'd be like, you give me abundant paycheck now. 
Like, are we talking this moment or are we talking Friday? Like, what do I have to do? Yeah. We get the idea of the payouts. We just sometimes get tired of the wait. Amen? Yeah. We get most tired of the wait when we don't have the godly perspective, that eternity lens going. We're going to try to fix that this morning. Let's not be confused. Jesus didn't say, he goes, I came that you may have life more abundant. He didn't say, I came to make it all better. Because the same Jesus who said, I came to give you life more abundantly also said, in this life you will have trouble or sorrow. But, every time there's a but in the Bible, I tell teenagers, find out what that big butt spout. Helps them remember. I know it's rude, but it helps them remember. Things you got to do. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Gosh, isn't that good news? Yeah, it doesn't feel good because I'm still going through. But man, to know the truth and the way and the life, that's good. He didn't say, I came to give you all you want. Jesus ain't cosmic Santa. But sometimes we act like that, right? And we act like he's bad Santa. I gave you my list. I wrote it down clear. I sent it in a text. And you didn't show up. Because you didn't show up, you must not be real. Do you realize we give Santa a better benefit of the doubt than we do Jesus? Think on it. How many times did Santa not bring with you what you wanted? But next year, you still wrote that letter. I'm not saying he's not real, kids. If there's any of you left in here, I'm just saying. I was real honest with my kids early. I wanted them to give the proper credit to the proper Santa, if you know what I'm saying. And that their Santa was a real person who had a real budget. And while I appreciate their hopes and dreams, I know what they need and what they don't. Sometimes Santa says, you need undies more than you need a video game. iPhones are good. Eye laundry is better. Praise God. Jesus didn't come to make you a better person. Oh, I just want to go to church to be a better person. I mean, go to Dunkin', get something to eat, be a better person. A little sugar and some coffee makes everybody a better person. <laughs> you laugh at some of y'all needed that coffee this morning. Praise the Lord. Made you a better person, ready for worship. <laughs> You were a little angry coming in. You're a little happier now. That's why we give you donuts. Full belly. You know what I'm saying? A little caffeine. Everybody ready to worship. Before that. How many times she going to sing that song? (laughs) Post caffeine. Oh, sing it again, Lord Jesus. Sing it again. Listen, Jesus didn't come to make bad people better. He came to make dead people live. Every last single one of you up in here were dead people. Some of you may still be dead. I'm just being honest. Not everybody follows Jesus and goes to church. Some are still trying to figure it out. He didn't come to make you better. The The first version of you is not that good. He came to make dead people live. To make a bad person better, that seems like an awful crazy cost. Right? To make a bad situation better, he could have just become king of Jerusalem, whooped the Roman army, and kicked them out. 
That'd have made it better, wouldn't it? But that's not what he came to do. He didn't came to improve the situation. He came to give eternity. He wasn't there for a moment. He was there forever. Huge difference. Huge difference. Romans 3.23. I'm about to kill you with scripture right now. Here we go. Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many? We all in on that one too, right? Listen, if you're struggling with being all in for Jesus, trust me, you were all in for the other guy. Anybody? Come on. Before Jesus, I was all, I was neck deep trying to flip upside down backwards. I was all in. Drinking deeply, trying everything. All in. I wasn't complaining about the options. But none of them led to life. None of them were the right way. None of them were true. But I was all in. All in for death. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the perspective Number The second one, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin that we all have committed is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. What kind of life? Eternal life. Not temporary life. Not momentary happiness. Not it's all going to be better. Not you're going to have the life you always wanted and have it now. Hear me. This is not about a prosperity gospel. You know what the prosperity of the gospel is? Is it's a tissue box of life. It is an eternity with heaven. Does that mean we have to be miserable here? No, but we need to put it in proper perspective. Does he want you to be miserable and not have full of joy? I don't know. The way truth and life sounds good. I have come that you may have life more abundantly sounds good. I've come to forgive you from your sins and set you free from the, pa- the cost of sin and death. That sounds good. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control sound good. Those are the fruits of the spirit. Are there any of those that you're like, Oh, I hate that dude. (laughs) Captain gentleness over there. (laughs) Wish she was a little less joyful. Hey, can you just be impatient with me for a minute? Have you ever cursed God for experiencing someone who had the gifts, the fruits of the spirit in their lives? No. Remember that word inconvenience we used earlier? You may have been one of those and you ran into someone with the fruit of the spirit that worked out well for you. There's not a single one of those that if we saw in anyone's life in an increasing measure, we wouldn't be like, that's good. You know how I tell girls in youth church, look for a husband. First, don't God will provide. He can provide for my need. He can provide for my sickness. But I need to find me a husband. <laughs> Doesn't that sound stupid when I said like that for you? Praise God. That's not even in the notes. That's a freebie. But sometimes we do that, don't we? It's crazy. You got smudge on the lens, man. You may have the best glasses, and I do right now, but you know what? I'm not wearing them. There's a smudge like right there. And so I'm losing some of you, man. It's just dirty over there. I'm like, no, they're clean in Jesus' name. You can have the best lens, but it can be all smudged up. That's why his mercy is new every morning. He cleans that. It's great. 
Bet you guys, most of you know this one, right? John 3, 16. What? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For whosoever shall believeth in him shall have eternal life. Sounds like the Lord of the Rings, right? We love it when dudes like play football and put John 3.16 like Tim Tebow under their face. Or the, the dude, I don't know where that guy is. I pray he's still alive. The, the, remember, I, I'm aging myself. So those of you who are over like 20. Remember the John 3.16 guy at all the football games when you're growing up? I wasn't even a Christian, but I love when someone kicked a field goal. Oh, there's John 3.16, dude. That guy must spend a lot of money going to football games. But how many of us know John 3.17? Church, listen. This is conviction time. If you forget 17, you got a problem with your 16. Look at 17. For God did not, did not, didn't, don't, uh uh-uh, didn't do it, no. Rewind. (laughs) Did not send his son into the world to condemn it. There is a condemner. There is an accuser. His name is Satan. When you need to put on the condemnation shoes and stomp a hole in your neighbor. Sinful, horrible person. (laughs) Take off the stupid shoes, put on the gospel shoes. Go show them what the fruit of the spirit looks like. For he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you're drowning, it doesn't make sense to yell at you. You're drowning. You're stupid. You obviously can't swim. (laughs) But that's exactly what the church does when you're like, you're gay. That's sinful. You just got an abortion. That's an abomination to Jesus. I'm not telling you being gay is, is righteous. It's not. It's clearly sinful. But so is your condemnation and judgmental heart. Who did Jesus slap around? Sinners? Or the church? Even Tricky Nicky, who Nicodemus, who came at night, needed a lesson. For those of you who don't know, there's a guy named Nicodemus who came to Jesus at nighttime when all the other brothers weren't watching. He was a pretty important dude in the church back then for the Jews. Came slipping in at night like, hey, Jesus, what's going on? <laughs> Got a couple questions for you, man, but just keep your voice down. Listen, a world that's already condemned does not need to be condemned. It stands condemned already. You don't come to save something that's not dying. Can, I, can you hear me for a minute on this? You don't put it the eternity lenses on. You don't go to the cross. He knew what he was coming to do. You don't do that. Unless you know that, they're already in trouble. It makes no sense. The fire department's not hosing down your house unless it's on fire. If they are, just let me know, because I want to come watch. At our last church, and at this one too, the fire department comes, because we have a long parking lot, and they stretch out their lines, they clean them out. And every time the fire department would come to our, our last church and stretch out their lines, people would be blowing up my phone. Is there a fire at the church? Is there a fire at the church? Is there a fire at the church? I'm like, yes, the Holy Spirit, fire, come get some. 
Listen to me. This is a hard word for some of us in this room because we are much better at condemning the sinful than seeking their salvation. When you start laying yourself in the hole that they're in to walk over so they don't get themselves any more filthy, come talk to me. When you're willing to stretch yourself on a cross so that person in your family who drives you absolutely nuts in Jesus' name because of their sinfulness, when you're willing to nail yourself to the cross so that they might see him more clearly, then come talk to me. It doesn't mean their sin is right. It means it's killing them. I've never met a doctor who's more angry at the, at the sickness than they are at treating what the problem is. Thank God my surgeon didn't scream at me for the need for a double bypass. I'm like, bro, can you do it? He's like, you want to know the details? Not really. Is it optional? I literally asked the guy, I'm like, is it optional? He's like, no. I'm like, then do what you got to do. Guys, they're lost in sin. There is a real heaven and a real hell, and they will spend a real eternity there. Jesus didn't get himself frustrated by it. As a matter of fact, the people who liked him most were the sinners. Why? Because when you're dying of a disease and someone's got the cure, you're interested. You find me one cancer person in the entire universe who if someone walked up and said, I got the cure, would be like, you know, I'm good. It's cool. First, they'd be like, what's the catch? How much is it going to cost me? Right? We have the cure for an internal disease called death. Kills sin. Crushes it. Why are we not obsessed with sharing that? Why doesn't that drive my every day? 2 Peter 3, 9. Jesus came that none should perish, but that all should have life. Please say none. 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 I know in your brain you can think of one, maybe. I'm like, well, heaven could be a little less crowded. There's probably one sinner in your world that really bothers you. There's probably one sin that really bothers you. The church is lo- loves messing with homosexuality right now. We love that being the big thing for us or abortion is the big thing for us. I'm not saying those are little things. What I am saying is that sin is a symptom of being lost. And there is no sin in the world that does not make sense for someone who is lost to want to try because they're reaching for anything to fill the hole that is in their lives. And they need us to share with them the good news that there is something to fill the hole. Hear me. And not just fill the hole, but make them whole by making them new. I mean, if you're all in, you're all in, right? I mean, can we be all in? Can we have that eternal vision this morning? That the person who's going to annoy me with their issues is not going to annoy me as much as the fact that they're lost? Can I be more annoyed by the enemy who's killing that person than I can by that person in the sin that they're in? We have one enemy and I want to stomp a hole in his kingdom. I can't do that without love. It's the most powerful force on earth. It's the one thing Jesus gave me to win. Love doesn't mean I want you to continue in sin. Love means I love you enough not to be annoyed by your sin and to continue loving you until you're no longer in your sin. That's what Jesus does, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man or woman or person or whomever is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Can I encourage us to put some heavenly lenses on? That eternity focus? Listen, your old you was not that cool. Stop letting it define you. I am much more excited about your current testimony than your previous one. Our speaker came and said it a couple of months ago, didn't he? Doesn't matter where I've been, it matters where I am and who brought me here. Well, that's just how I am. No, you're not. Galatians 2.20 is not up there, but I'm going to a new one. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But, big old but in the Bible again, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live, I live in faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The old is gone, the new has come. We want other people to forget our past and to let us off the hook, right? But we need to remember we're new. Guys, this is an encouraging thing. This is not a a beat you down thing. This is a reminding you who you are thing. We have to have the right perspective before we can go forward. Jesus told us these things. I'm going to fly through them and we're going to hit it. Right at the very end. Jesus told us to love one another. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, Jesus, as Jesus has loved you, while you were still sinful, I died for you. That's how I loved you. I walk with you, I talk with you, I never leave you, I never forsake you. No matter how jacked up you may be, I'm always with you. There's nothing that can separate me from you. I will tear down every wall, shouting, while I'm doing it, my love, you're worth it all. That's how Jesus loves me, that's how we're supposed to love each other, especially in the house of God. When we love each other like that, the world's like, what are they doing? And how can I get some? I have a friend who's struggling with some decisions and choices in life. She's, she's joining groups that are trying to make her special by being like them. But the problem when you join a group to be special like them is that you forget that you're special the way you've been made. And so you trade a group specialty for your individual specialty. We do that when we come to church sometimes. We do that when we join sports sometimes. We do that, we do that when we join friendship groups sometimes. We allow the group collective to become the identity. When Jesus says, I know you by name. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I knew all of your days before they came to be. I have prepared works for you to do. Isn't that incredible? My heart will burst with joy and I will fulfill all of God's calling in my own life when people don't fill a room to come see my gift every week. But people come and they're sharing everything that their gifts have done that week. That's when the church is truly alive. Not to come and listen and come and be encouraged one time and like, oh yeah, I need to remember that good perspective, let's go. But when we all come in here and celebrate and worship and be encouraged and share with life with each other and tell each other what God has done in our worlds that week. Because there's not a single person in this room without a gift from God. He told us to go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't tell us pastors to go into all the world and make disciples. He told us pastors to equip you, the saints, to go and make disciples. My job is to get you ready to go. You hear me? Football coaches don't go on the field and play. And if they do, it's creepy. 
Remember the time John Harbaugh tried to trip some dude? That was funny. Right? That's wrong. It's a penalty. That's wrong. Our job as coaches is to train you guys up to get ready to go. That's what that's my that's my part. I'm an elbow in the kingdom of God. Elbow you papa to God. My wife's got really pointy elbows. And when she wants us to get going, she's like, ah. I'm an elbow. That's heaven's perspective. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians. Gave us the ministry, all of us, the ministry of reconciling the lost back to him. What happens when we don't do this? There's a church in Laodicea, and I'm going to close with this. We're going to pray. Revelation chapter 3. Everybody say Revelation. Ooh, I feel the revelation. Revelation chapter 3. Jesus writes some letters to the church. Through a guy named John. Long story, if you don't know it, I'll tell you about it later. But just know in the book of Revelation... There is a period where Jesus writes these seven love letters. Now, you may have never heard it as the seven love letters before, but they are love letters. Anytime someone tells you what you may be doing wrong to help you do it right, that's love. So Jesus writes these love letters, and he writes one to a church in Laodicea. Everybody say, Laodicea. Oh, you even do it with the accent. You're so cute. All right. So he wrote this church in Laodicea. Now, Laodicea was a cool church, man. And the fact that they had a ton of money... Lots of people. As a matter of fact, they were famous for a couple of things. They made a fabric. They were in the textile business. We got textile businesses around here. They were in the textile business. They made a fabric everyone in the world wanted. Kings and princes and princesses wanted the fabric. They had some money. But they just weren't textile people. They also created medical stuff. They had this eye salve, this ointment. That if you rubbed it on your eyes, cured blindness through sickness in a lot of different places in the world at that point. So when you have textile industry and you have medical industry, doesn't that sound a little familiar around here? You know got hospitals everywhere. Got industry going on around here. Got a little bit of money. So they, if you're going to have money, you might as well have some banks. So they had banking. They had textiles. They had medical stuff. Sounds like a good church. Matter of fact, there was a natural disaster in their area of the world. <clears throat> and all the churches wanted to help them out. And they're like, no, nah, we're good. We got it, man. We got plenty of money. No, no problem. Wouldn't you like to be a part of a church? Like, yeah, man, we got plenty of money. Got no problem. There's not a single pastor I know who'd be like, uh, take that church, please. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, Revelation 3.14. Write this. Jesus tells John to write this. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you were lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. It's a love letter, I swear to you. Just hold on. Doesn't sound like it, right? Like, what kind of love is that? That's nasty. You say, you say, now he says, you say, I am rich and have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize, now this is a love letter. You do not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 
I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shame and nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I love I rebuke and discipline to be earnest so be earnest and repent here I am I stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with him and he with me to him who overcomes I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down at the throne of my father he who has an ear to hear let him hear Guess what color the fabric was that they made? Black. Blackish purple. What color did he want them to buy? When you're rich, but he says you're poor, what are you, what are you poor with? Blessed are the poor. In spirit. Guys, they thought they had everything they needed. They thought they had everything they wanted. He wanted them to get them a salve for their eyes that would heal their blindness. Not their physical blindness. They were healing that. Not their physical wealth. They they had that. Not their fabric. They had that. But there's a lens of eternity that looks far, far different than the lens of this world. If we're going to be all in for Jesus, you can be all in for the church and wear uh, uh, earthly lenses. You can do plenty of things in the flesh for the church. It's true. Happens everywhere. But if you want to do things for the kingdom of God, you got to have some spiritual lenses on. You got to have eternity in mind. He said, listen, you've got temporal things in mind right now. You know why he said the hot or cold? In Pentecost, we want to be like, you need to be hot on fire for the Lord. Or it's better that you be cold and hate him. Now, why would the Lord of Lords and King of Kings say, I would rather you hate me than love me? Laodicea had one problem. One problem only that they were well acquainted with. They had hot springs on one side of them, and they had cold springs on the other. But when that hot water that got there and that cold water got there for the Roman aqueducts, guess what it became? Lukewarm. You know what lukewarm water is good for? A vomit inducer. The lukewarm water, because it wasn't hot enough to purify it or cold enough to purify it, it would have all kinds of disease and sickness in it. And so when you would drink water that had all kinds of funky funk in it, So he's telling the church, listen, you think you have all these things, but from me, the way, the truth, and the life, I'm telling you to get something else. I'm not telling you to be poor. I'm telling you to be spiritually rich. I'm not telling you that you are naked. I'm telling you you're not clothed in righteousness. I'm not telling you that you are physically blind. Obviously not. You got some good medical technicians going on here and technology. What I'm telling you is you're spiritually blind because you're taking off the lenses. You put the wrong ones on. I would rather you be a hot church, like a hot tub. Healing and relaxing, purifying, cleansing, or a cold church, refreshing and alive and fun and enjoyable. 
giving life to those who need a moment of peace from the world. I'd rather you be either one of those, but you're neither of them because you're taking off the lenses and you forgot. So at the end of that, we're going to close with this. He says, lo, I stand at the door and knock. We use it for the lost all the time. But who was the letter to? The church in Laodicea. Do you know what that means? If Jesus is on the outside of your church, you may have started with him with it inside, but you may have asked him to go outside. Or you may have forgot that the purpose of church is to lift Jesus higher so the whole world can see. Because he said, if I be lifted higher, what's the little kid's song say? going to be all in, we need to have a heavenly perspective. And I know I've gone long, but I want to pray with you. we got to have a heavenly perspective. Jesus, it says, is the author and perfecter of our faith. We know what his mission is, and we know how he looked at the lost. In worship, we were reminded how he looks at us. He told us to love each other. But we can be like the Laodiceans so confused with doing the works. He goes, I know your works. I know all the stuff you're doing. You got all this industry going. You got all the stuff going. How many guys got so much stuff going? How many of you parents, you, you want your kids to be well-rounded? Anybody want their kid to be well-rounded? Yeah, well, I want your kid to be Christ-centered. When you put Christ at the center of your life, you will actually be perfectly rounded because everything that you do will glorify him regardless of how many things you're involved in. But when we make being well-rounded the purpose, we're like the loud days singing, you're doing a lot, but I'm outside beating on the door to come in. But if he answer the door, he's not going to kick it down and be like, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. No, he's not wanting to come in, right? He, he said, well, if you open the door, I will what? I will eat with you and you will eat with me. Blessed are those who overcome. Do you know how we overcome spiritual lenses on? In Revelation later, it says we overcome by two things, right? The blood of the lamb, the good news of the gospel, and the word of our testimony. All right, I'm gonna blow your brains up now. Are you ready? Okay. Do you know why he tears down every wall? Screaming and shouting, my love, you're worth it all. Because sweetheart, you have a story inside of you that you've lived that will literally, I kid you not, seems crazy, you may not believe me, but it will literally help set someone else free. My brother at the tavern is gonna reach people that I will never have an open door for. Normally because everyone says the preface of my name before they say my name. That's past a Christian and up go the balls. I think it's redundant. My name's Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you're a Christian too. I am a C, I'm a C-H. They have a song and everything. Right? It's redundant to call me a pastor and a Christian. I mean, I wanted to look after God's sheep. Yes. Why? Because I'm supposed to love you the way he loved me. Because the wages of sin is death and there's a real heaven and a real hell and someone's going to spend a real eternity there. 
I only have a tissue box worth of time to use my life in whatever he has called me to do. If that's with the boys, with the boys, if that's at the college, if that's at the textile plant, or if that's at, over at one of the hospitals, if that's at a school or at the workhouse, wherever the heck you go, you have a tissue box worth of time for your life to change someone's eternity. Look at the eternity. Sixteen thousand of my minutes are gone. I tomorrow's not promised to a single one of us. So with my eternity lenses on, this is my prayer each day, and this is what I pray for you that your prayer will be each day. Jesus, I know you're up to something in someone today. I just want to be a part of whatever you're doing. Use my busted up, jacked up, inconvenienced life to bless somebody somehow in some way. Because if you do, we will both know it's not me. And I will say thank you for letting me be a part. The definition of all in is not for you to get to heaven. The definition of all in is to be so thankful that you're going that you invite as many people as possible to come with you.